And welcome everybody to the My Formula Way. I'm Coach Ray, and today I'm blessed again to have an amazing guest with me. She is an individual that I've been uh, watching for a long time and connecting with, and we actually have the same exact birthday, which is is so crazy. We actually born on the same day, and uh, she her name is Isabel Rojas. Um, she is an author. She is a mom, she is a wife, and she's an amazing professional in Orange County. And just so you can be aware, her books of what she's put out are right here for you to see. It, it, the first one is Parenting from Broken Pieces, She Heals, and 21 Days of Healing, which, which goes in, in, in alignment with She Heals. Um, it's so important for people to understand what she does and, and, and the message she's trying to get out there. And you can find her at Isabel Rojas. Uh, on Instagram, under Isabel the Author. The Author, there yes. you go. My website is uh, isabelrojas.shop. Um, and Facebook, just Isabel Rojas. Awesome. Well, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the thank show. And, and thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited that you thought of me. Um, and yeah, we share the same birthday. That's crazy. That is wild. That's crazy. <laughs> that is wild. Same year, same day, same, well, yes. and, and probably in the same, maybe we're even in the same hospital. I don't know. Einstein Lincoln Hospital. Lincoln Hospital. Oh, Lincoln. Lincoln. All right. So Lincoln. one side of the Bronx. South Bronx. Yeah, South Bronx. BX. BX. Yeah, Lincoln man. Hospital. Definitely, but, um, man. Yeah, this is, I mean, I've been watching everything you've been doing as well and, and just really intrigued. Um that you're in alignment with, you know, we always got to be careful what we say yes to, right? Absolutely. So I always say you're in alignment to the mission. Yeah. So, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, it's a blessing. And so, you know, what we talk about in the My Formula Way is going into your journey, going to, going into your story, but then leading into health and wellness toward the end. We want to make sure that we capture these these uh, messages throughout the journeys, mm -hmm. um, the accomplishments, some of the challenges that, that you've experienced um, so that people can really understand what it takes to become a professional and become, you know, a mom and, 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 a, and a wife and everything else. So take us back to growing up in the Bronx or, where, you know, mm -hmm. what that was like for you being born and raised there and, and going through that journey. What was that like for you? So, yeah, my journey began in the South Bronx. I was born in Lincoln Hospital. Um, I have two other, well, I have three siblings, but during my early journey, my younger brother's you know, was born way later on. Uh, we lived in the Bronx, and ironically enough, when I was six, uh, they sent us to live in the Dominican Republic with my grandparents. Um, and that there was um, life-changing. Yeah. Life-changing because I didn't speak the language. I got left back in the first grade because I didn't understand the language. Um, not aware of you, not sure if you are aware of the punishment in, you know, in, in other countries, so... I'm going to say that I, I, I was a talker okay. and I didn't understand what they were saying to me. So I would constantly be the one that had to be kneeling on rice outside with a book in my head because I couldn't shut up, but it was because I didn't understand what they were saying. Yeah. So that was a challenge that first year. Um, and it really made me, um, what do I say it? It kind of silenced my voice because I was so afraid of always getting into trouble. If I say something this is, you know, I'm going to be hit or I'm going to put out, so I'm going to be shamed. Because I was shameful every day that you're out there with your hands out. Like, just think about it, kneeling on rice and a book in your head. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my experience. Um, came back to New York um, 
when I was uh, about 10 years old. Oh, so, so now, from 6 to 10, yes, you were in DR. I was okay. in DR. And not that it was all bad. Mm-hmm. My grandparents tried their best. You know, I mean, some stuff happened that I, that's what bro- uh, apparently from broken pieces stem from some things that happened there to me as a child. And again, you know, not using my voice because of fear. Um, so coming back now, I didn't understand English. So now I've, my language was like I had to be in bilingual classes. Uh, so it was just like a journey. So it was always, I felt like I've always had to start over, adjust. So that was tough. That was really tough. And coming back was really, really tough. I'm not even going to say um, that it was an easy journey. Uh, you know, watching my parents, you know, my father was a mechanic. My mom worked in factories. So they were, you know, we we're key lat- what do you How do you say? Because I always mess everything up. Latchkey kids, Latch right? Key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I had my siblings, but I've always felt the need. Like writing was like an escape for me. Because now I'm writing, I could communicate, I create these characters, and and my English teacher, when I, she was a big, I still remember that lady's name, and I don't remember people's names. Miss Ingerman was my school teacher who really took an interest in me. What school was that? Wait. That was PS 86. 86, 86 wow. in Kingsbridge. And she made such an impact because she made my journey back into the United States a lot smoother. So that's when you were 10? Mm-hmm. Around 10, 10 around years 10 old? Around 10 years old. Okay. Uh, middle, you know, just, and then going to middle school, you know, I I want to say, you know, our time back then was a lot different than now. And I don't know if you agree. Yeah. Kids have it a lot tougher now. I mean, we had it tough. I'm not going to say that we didn't. You know, we had to walk to school, escape certain things, mm-hmm. you know, things that were going on around us that we had to make a choice whether, am I going to be a follower? Am I going to be a leader? Right. And I've always uh, been fortunate to have been a leader. That was one thing that I've always wanted more in life. You felt that early on? Yes, I felt that early on. um, I've always wanted to be a leader. Um, I could have gotten caught up in so many things, trust me, even with having not feeling like I was enough because I was something, you know, as a young kid and and not having a voice, um, I could have went a total different way. Because I always say it doesn't matter where you come from. You could have a two-parent home. You could come from the best, but it's those choices when you're out sure. there in the wild, right? Yeah. And um, I was exposed to a lot of things. Who wasn't in the Bronx? Yeah. Think about it. Sure. That was a crack era. Yep. You know, so many things that you would walk to school and you see the red tops on the floor. And I used to be like, what in the world? <laughs> and, you know, knowing that, hey, I don't want to go that route. That's not my thing. You know, that was always, that's not my thing. Um, had some friends that made those choices. And I could sit with people, like I knew a lot of people that, you know, smoke uh, weed and would go to the park. And, you know, back then you want to watch the boys and playing basketball. Everybody's doing their thing. But it was just something about that that didn't intrigue me. Yeah. So I'm so thankful that... I chose to to stand firm, um, and I didn't judge anybody for that, because I, you know, who am I to judge anybody? Sure, I've always said that. That's your journey. That's what you want to do. That makes you happy. That's your journey, but it wasn't mine. So you you so early on, you dealt with a lot of challenges, just in terms of language, mm-hmm. and language. I, I think people don't understand is not just the words being spoken; it's the inflections and the colloquialisms that go on with it and the different dialects mm-hmm. and phrases. I'm sure that had to be difficult on on the transition between the two cultures of being in DR and then coming here. Well, how did you navigate that? How were you able to navigate getting along with people and understanding that? Was it just very challenging? 
You know, I don't know what it is about me, and I, I'm still questioning it. <laughs> but people are just always so open with me. I think it's because I've always been an observer. Um, I get in, like, even with, even in later on in my career, when you get in somewhere, um, it's fitting in, where you, getting in where you fit in, right? Not, and I don't mean that in, in a way that, you know, let me follow the crowd or whatever, but staying back and observing where, where am I going to get comfortable at? Let me stand out here, watch for a little bit, and see where is it that I want to go. Um, and I think that's what I did with friends. You know, I, I, I've, always, I've always been called the Mother Teresa, because I'm yeah. always, for some odd reason, you know, it's like, let's, let's just talk about it. You know, I'm an open book. I'm really an open book. Um, I just feel like having that, I've always been very empathetic and didn't really knew a name to it till I got older. So I put myself in people's shoes and things like that. And that could be a blessing and a curse. Absolutely. And when you're young, that was, I want to say kind of like a curse. Right, because you, it, I took everything in came everything in. came yeah. in, everything came in, and I didn't know as a young child, even as a teenager, how to navigate that. That was tough. Yeah, it sounds like mm-hmm. that was that was yeah, tough. That was a Those energies and different people and different, you know, different cliques. Because it was when back in the Bronx, it was always if you weren't part of this clique, you're not. So, luckily for me, um, even though now people are like, yeah, you always hung out with the popular kids, and I'm like, really, I did. Is I talked to everybody. Yeah. Didn't that matter. Was, I didn't matter. I don't care who you are. You talk to everybody. So I think that's what helped me, that I wasn't afraid to make friends with people that didn't look like me gotcha. or didn't speak like me, even if we didn't understand each other. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. So now you're going into high school and probably, you know, making sure that you're navigating high school the way you did. What was that like for you toward the end of high school going into, you know, becoming an adult? And what what was life like at that point in your life? What was going on there? So high school was a very interesting way, uh, year for me. Mm. Um, I had to be honest with my daughter. My first year of high school, I don't know about you, but in junior high school, you weren't allowed to, you know, go outside for lunch. I went to John F. Kennedy in the Bronx, huge school. Mm-hmm. That freedom of, wait, I can go to the pizza shop, to the Chinese store and get lunch. I don't have to eat the, the lunch and the, it's being served. Um, and that was a problem yeah. because I started to cut school my first year, ride the subway to 34th Street. Cut cards started to come in. Mm. And my mom, um, you know, of course, you get your, I got my beatings, you know, cut cards came in. I got my beatings. Um, and then after a while... I never forget my father. Love my father. Had a have a really good relationship with him. The look of disappointment in his face because he saw what I didn't see in me. And I started to lose that. And his the way that he looked at me, I never forget. He had came home one day and was just like, like basically he threw his hands up. And I never wanted to disappoint my father. And I kid you not, after that, when I went back the next year, I was like, night school. You name it, I did it. And I graduated late, a year late, but I knew that I had to graduate. And I had to change a circle that I was with. That was another thing. Um, I started to hang out more with the what people call the nerds. Mm. You know, that everybody has a name. And I and I don't label people, but people and to me, I'm like the nerds, these are people, they know what they're doing. Exactly. Okay. They know what <laughs> they're doing. Those are the ones, ones I want to hang out with. <laughs> and I saw the conversation was different. 
you know, the conversation was different. The motivation, that's when I started to learn about motivating other people because they motivated you in a whole different way. Um, so I graduated, uh, at the time, um, I wanted to leave home so bad. I was like, I'm going to college. I want to leave. You would never believe where I went to college for my first semester of college. Where? Cobleskill. Get out of here. Wow. A girl from the Bronx in Cobleskill. What was that like? <laughs> a little bit of a culture shock, I'm sure. So I don't know if you remember the movie Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So my third week in college, we go to see Jurassic Park, and that's where I experienced racism for the very first time. So I'm walking down with a group of our friends. You know, we didn't have Uber or anything like that. You walked. Yeah. So we were walking to town, and this guy comes out on his porch with a shotgun. And he's like, I would not say the word, but he's like, you ends better get away out of my property. And we're like, we're on the sidewalk. We're not on this man's property. We ran so fast. I never forget that. I was so scared. And we were like, what was that about? Why did he call us, you know, that word? And we processed it. And it was a bunch of Latino kids. And we processed it. And I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. If I'm not, I don't want to be here. Um, I'm not accepted here. I cried. I was like, Mom, I have to come home. I want to come home. So that was early on when you got out there. That was early on. Wow. So I finished out my semester and I went to the city, um, ended up getting an apartment with my brother because my mom and my dad didn't believe in you could move out and, and live on your own. So I was slick. I was like, well, I told my brother, I'm like, well, you're working and you living with a friend. You don't want to get an apartment together? My older brother. And he was like, absolutely. So we got an apartment together. Um, I worked during the day as a caseworker in a shelter and I went to college at night. So again, it took me five years to graduate. Hey, but that's what you had to you do. You know, because yeah. I had to work. Um, exactly. That left an impression. It took me seven, so I understand. Yeah. yeah. Because that, <laughs> that left a work huge at night. impression yeah, as a young Latina yeah. in the suburbs. Mm. You know, that was like huge. Yeah. Um, and especially when you think about New York, right? And you're like, wow, but I'm in New York. Yeah, like Doesn't that's not, no, like you're like, wait, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of follow that in the back of your head, right? Because I've never looked at the whole, the race thing. I never really paid too much attention to it um, up until, believe it or not, 2006 when I was in the state of Florida. Uh, I had left New York City. I had vested from the police department. You know, you think the grass is green on the other side. I moved to Florida and um, I worked in a predominantly Caucasian police department. Um, and I don't want to make this a whole race thing, mm -hmm. but in speaking, I, I just want to bring it back mm -hmm. to the whole, my front, how do I say my front, front seat to the whole thing that, you know, discrimination. Mm -hmm. um, I never forget the police department that I chose to work for. Um, there was uh, another gentleman who was Mexican and myself and the, sergeant that day says we're in roll call you know you're all sitting waiting for your assignment and she says i have dora and diego in my shift we're good wow so i'm looking around like hmm exactly <laughs> who's dora mm -hmm. <laughs> i know i'm short <laughs> <laughs> exactly so you know i of course uh you know asked her afterwards can we speak and i said you know that was really offensive and she was like, get over it. Like, get over it. Again, here's the been taught to put your head down, go to work, don't create waves, just, you know, no voice, mm -hmm. you know, just 
just go to work. You're getting a paycheck. Um, and that just didn't sit well with me. And I think that's when I started to be like, wait, no, we're not. <laughs> no. It's not happening. No, this is yeah. not happening. So, you know, we had a conversation. And after that conversation, here we go, punishment again, right? It was, you get the crappiest shift. You're not getting this. You're not getting that. I was a new mom at the time. I just had my daughter and it was a living hell. So again, it went back to every time I speak up, something terrible happens, right? So you start to think about the past and, and your mind starts to get programmed. Sometimes do you stay quiet so you don't repeat those, you know? I don't know if it makes sense yes, to you, it but does. it's just Absolutely. a way that I had to learn to say, yeah, that's okay. That's, it's going to happen. It's part of life. And now it's teaching that, passing that on to my daughter where speak up. You don't have to be disrespectful. And I always say that to people, even in our professions, we don't have to be disrespectful, but this is, now it's called boundaries. I have my boundaries. You have yours. So we're going to find a way that we can communicate without being offensive to each other. I mean, hey, we all joke around, right? We mm -hmm. all have our jokes. I'm not going to say that we don't. But it's just offensive when it's being done purposely. And if you have said that bothers me and somebody continues to do it and you're like, wait a minute, is that how you... Yeah, do what's going on here? Yeah. So, yeah, that that's... Wow. Yeah. And so, because it, it's so interesting on, on the struggle and the journey and the battle within, mm -hmm. because there's a, there's a battle going on within you mm -hmm. because of the outside environment of what, what you're taking in. Um, so you jumped into, you know, the police department. So when, when you, when did you uh, become a police officer? 2000. 2000? Mm -hmm. right, right out of college. Right out of college. Yeah, right okay. out of college. And what, what made you go for that profession? Yeah. You're going to laugh. <laughs> Full of jokes. I love laughing. I, listen. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend of mine. Um, I've always wanted to be an attorney. That was my passion. I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to be a defense attorney. That was my thing. Um, then I kind of, when I went to John Jay, I was like, okay, I want to be criminal defense. I was, I didn't know which one I wanted to do. So back then the police department comes out. I had a good friend of mine, Linda, who was in the army, um, tall girl, you know, very athletic. Here I was five feet, nothing, you know, very girly, very prissy. And she's like, take the test. I bet you, you won't make it a day in the police academy. Wow. And I was like, yeah, right. Challenge. So I'm like, okay. All right, bring it on. We're on. Yeah. So I took the test, passed it. She was like, yeah, right. I'm like, yeah, I passed it. So her and I, mind you, we went through, another Dominican uh, girlfriend of mine, we went through high school. Now we went through college, same college, John Jay, and then the police academy. Wow. And she's a really good dear friend of mine. Um, so she pushed me and she's like, you're not going to make it. This not, you're not going to make it. Because she went through, you know, combat. She, she did all of that in the army. And I'm like, I can never be like this woman, like. There's no way, but I was like, I can't lose this bet. So I got into the police academy, and then I'm like, again, my dad is like, you know, he's proud, he's happy, and I'm like, okay, I love helping people. So this this is right along, you know, I'll go to law school later on, let me save some money, and maybe I'll go to law school later on. And that took a toll of its own. I didn't end up, in, I took the LSAT, but I never went forward with my dreams of becoming an attorney. So the academy, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Holy, when they say that's the best shape you're going to be in your life. Yeah. That would. And mentally, I was broken down and rebuilt back up. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Um, I was told, I don't even know why you're here. You know, you're not going to make it. Uh, but it was all part of the whole training, right? Okay. I think our class, which was 2000, I want to say in 2002, they stopped because it was complaints made about, you know, the talk and the... Uh, 
the motivation that was being used. It wasn't okay. like initiation people, kind of. Yeah, they weren't happy with the, it. But I'm gonna be yeah. honest with you. That's what really made me mentally strong. Okay. So I'm very thankful for that training. I would by no means say that that training was not what it should have been because it really made me into a stronger person. And then working, I ended up working in the 4-0, which was in the Bronx. Um, when I first got my assignment, I was like, Lord, no, what have they done? I don't want to work there. Who do I speak to? And they're like, you're right. <laughs> they just dropped You don't in. speak yeah. to anybody. Yeah. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> so that was my, um, I've learned my entire job in that precinct um, because that was a fast-paced precinct. And um, met some really great people that I'm still friends to this day. Um, that was challenging, right? Because when you're a woman of my stature, you know, the streets are going to test you. And what I learned was it wasn't in here. It wasn't my height that was going to get me through being safe. It was my heart and it was my mouth. And it was the way I spoke to people. And my dad always told me, I don't care if it's a janitor. I don't care who you're speaking to. You're going to speak to them the right way. Um, you're going to treat everybody with kindness. And believe it or not, I did, ha uh, you know, foot posts for eight months, housing. I met one of the nicest people that were homeless, that I would sit down and talk to them, you know, doing my routes, going up and down um, verticals, it was called, when you're checking the stairs, making sure. And I met some people that I've always loved to listen to people tell me how, how, what happened to you? How did this challenge, how did you get where you're at? Cause everybody has a story. Sure. We all do. And in it, um, I want to say that I've heard the most humbling stories, met the most nicest people. Um, I did community policing for a little while and that was the, you know, that was great. Cause you knew everybody, you yeah. got to talk to people in and out the businesses. Um, don't know what I was thinking when I said I was leaving the police department, because believe it or not, I would have been retiring um, three weeks from today. Wow. So when did you retire? When did you leave? So the I vested. Yeah. I left in 2005. Five. Okay. Um, closer to 2006. And I went to Florida. I, you know, I was lined up. I bought a house over there. So, you know, you have the American dream. Bought my house. I was happy. It was so much cheaper than New York City. Got so much more. You know, what? all of that. All the nice things that you can think of. Um, I get there. I had two job offers. And... I started to get sick and I'm like, what is going on with me? Maybe I'm tired, you know, right before I left the job, I worked narcotics. So I put in a lot of hours, you know, um, I didn't know I was pregnant with my daughter. Wow. Did not know I was pregnant. So of course I had to be honest and tell my recruiter, um, yeah, I'm having a baby, <laughs> you know, I, I won't be able to take the job uh, right now. But at first I thought that they'll be like, okay, you're already in, you'll, you know, we'll just until you give birth. No, that's not the way it worked. They were like, no, we'll see you when you give birth. So I was like, oh. and other people were like, why did you say something? You could have gotten in. And then and I'm like, I don't want to get in on the false pretenses, you know, because I always say what you do in the dark comes out in the light. And then what? You know? So true. And then what? So yeah, I had to, you know, was in Florida pregnant. And then right after I had my daughter, she was two months old when I went back to work. Wow. That was tough. That had to be tough. That's when I learned that I hated being a cop because her whole first year, not that I love the job, it was great, but my daughter's first year um, was a blur to me because I worked midnight. I worked, you know, I was a rookie all over again. So, yeah, so it was difficult being a mom, um, not really seeing her, uh, not missing, you know, the first time she walked and missing all those important milestones. Sure. And that's when I was like, I don't want to do this.
I can't do this. But I knew I had to work. You know, it was my career choice. And so that did that lead you back up to New York or? So what happened was that police department that I first started with, um, they were about an hour away from my house. Um, I'll never forget. I went and, and told them, you know, I'm going to, I have to find something closer to home. I have this wonderful opportunity as an investigator closer to home. Um, they did not like that. Mm. They were like, nobody leaves this department. And I'm like, what? So, of course, they weren't happy with me saying that I was going to go. They were going to 12-hour tours. I said, I'm being honest, I couldn't handle 12-hour tours with a newborn. I can't do it. It's bad enough that I'm trying to, you know, take care of my daughter, and I don't even have time for with her, you know? She's with dad all the time. You know, that as a new mom messes with you. You know, you don't feel good enough. Like, I'm neglecting my daughter, something that I've waited so long for. I was 33 when I had my daughter. So I had a late in life. And I was like, everything that I wanted, not to say that you can't be a cop and be a mom. That's not what I, you know, yeah. my experience was different because I started out new again there. And I started out in a place that wasn't welcoming. So that made it a lot harder for me as a new mom, um, so fortunately, you know, I ended up getting a job with the Port St. Lucie Police Department, which is closer to home. I don't know if you're familiar with Port St. Lucie. It's like home bit. of the Mets. Yep. Beautiful place. Uh, but unfortunately, 2010, they were laying off. So they laid off 39 cops. So I was like, here we go. Wow. <laughs> so I ended up, you know, the market tanked in Florida. Um, I ended up coming back here. And I didn't want to go back to the Bronx. I did not want to go back to the Bronx because I couldn't find you know, a place, I was like, well, there's no way we can buy a home in the Bronx. They're just too much. Yeah. And the rents were ridiculous. From when we left, to, I was like, this is insane. Um, we ended up here in Newburgh. I didn't know nothing about Newburgh. Wow. Nothing about Newburgh. Uh, we had a family friend who had a house up here, and she was like, you can rent the house. And, you know, just, I was like, you know, I'm already accustomed to living a quiet life, so this would be great. And I have to say, I've been very... I'm grateful that I was embraced in Newburgh. I'm not from here, but I've met some awesome people, gotten some wonderful opportunities. Um, I, I, I found my calling. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Because you always end up, and I found myself in a lot of ways of what it is that I want to do in my time, right? Because we all have our careers and then what we do in our time that we enjoy. Sure. So that's what book writing came That's in. <laughs> amazing. And, you know, and I know you work for the county as well, and, and you work for the DA's office, and, you know, you do such great work with that. But then you also you. worked on a program as well, right, for young adults that were looking into getting into um, law enforcement as well? So we do the Youth and Police Initiative. Yeah. yeah so we bring, I, that's like the best part of everything for <laughs> me because we've been doing it since 2012. That's um, and we're bringing the youth together with the officers for a whole week-long program where we are breaking down those barriers where the kids can see the officers as human who they really are. And the officers get to know the kids in their community. So I think the first day is a little tough for the kids because they're like, wait, is this a snitching program? What is this? I'm <laughs> yeah, not right? feeling this. Exactly. But by the third or second day, you see the transformation where mm. they're more comfortable, where now they see, you know, one of the guys that we've been working closely with is Dan. And these kids gravitate to Dan as if Dan is a dad. You and know, that Dan? relationship. Is, uh, he's so Dan of... is a police officer okay. in the city of Newburgh. Um, okay. Same thing happened with uh, Lieutenant Cortez when he was doing it. It's like the kids gravitate 
towards the people that they really, you know, like they've not used to having that relationship. So it's a nice part that the city of Newburgh Police Department still keeps that going. That's great. And they've invested into that to say that has to keep going no matter what. So they're doing their investment in the community in that way with the kids. And I think that is the best part of, you know, working here. Sure. Because you get to see the kids interact. You get to see them open up and know that it's safe to open up in that environment. Um, we role play a lot where the kids are the cops and the cops are the kids. And they're like, wow, like I didn't know that much pressure. And you're, you're teaching them how you have to think while everything is happening around you, you have to think quick. You have to make decisions. You have to make choices. Um, and I think that's the most impactful part for them. Sure. I think that's the most impactful part. And how it, how do people get involved with that program? Do you, is there so a way for them to get involved? So we normally we've been working with YAP, which yep. is the Youth Advocacy Program in you Newburgh. Know, in the yes, city of they have yep. the kids there. Uh, they're new kids. You know, we always ask them. We we always walk it. We open it to everybody. We worked with the Boys and Girls Club before. Um, any youth in the city of Newburgh that's interested from the ages of eleven to twenty one. That's great. And the nice part about it is that there's a stipend for the kids. So we tell them you treat this like a job. You come in, you get $80 for participating. And the program, that originated from NAFI, which is the agency that brought this to Newburgh back in 2011. They came to us and said, this has been working great in Boston. We know that you guys have an uptick in crime. I think this would be a nice addition to helping the kids, you know, just kind of take their mind off of what's going on around them. Um, so we adapted their model. So it's not something that we said, we're going to pay the kids. Yeah, we yeah. adapted their model. That's we, we have to, you know, keep the program, the fidelity of the program. So we tweak it here and there. But, um, yeah, the program came from them, and we've been blessed to have it because we've graduated over 300 kids in New Wow, York. that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about. It's, it's the give back. You know, it's about what you went through and understanding mm -hmm. that and then connecting with other people that have gone through stuff too. I'm sure the mm -hmm. officers have gone through stuff. And so what kind of led you into authoring and writing and getting into these books. I mean, the first one that I saw, Parenting from Broken Pieces, when you first came out with it, you know, I saw it, I downloaded it real quick because it was just great to, to, to read. Um, and it's also in the work that I do in behavioral health, um, it's impacted people, you know, That's and awesome. I, you know, I, I had to text you that one day too, to just let you know that, wow, there was somebody that came to me that talked to me about that book. And you know, you just never know where it may go and whose hands it may go into. So what led to this? What led to saying, I have to write about parenting from broken pieces, which is a great title, by the way. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you. And thank you for that text, because that made my day Amen. to think, you know, every time someone tells me, I think that's where the reward is. Yeah. It's not the monetary is is impacting somebody else. You know, um, I started to, you know, to become a well table with authorship back in 2003. I wrote a poetry book. And everybody's like, what? You know, some of the people I knew were like, oh, we didn't know that this was something that you like to do. Like, who is this person? You know, um, of course, some of my friends are like, what in the world were you thinking? <laughs> you know, I was like, OK, poetry's not my thing. But writing is my dream was always to become a published author. Um, so back in 2018, um, my younger brother, uh, he was diagnosed with a mental illness and um I think that being in that space of going through everything that we were going through and kind of understanding what was happening to him and trying to find a way because I'm very hands-on with my family, you know, I'm the one that helps out, um, and having to learn and now accept this new normal in my family was tough. 
and it kind of sucked me in. You know how we talk about mental, spiritual, and all of that, and it's so important to find an outlet. Absolutely. Writing was that outlet for me. And I have had conversations, and it just brought it back to I had had conversations with other moms, and we always were like, oh, you know, there's no manual. We come from this, we come from that. How do we put, like, how do we raise healthy children, you know? So all of that, you know, I called a couple of my friends, and you in. I was like, look, I have to get this book. This is this is my gateway right now. It was calling you. You know, it was, it was kinda, just yeah. like, we have to write about it. Okay. If we don't start, I knew a friend of mine who suffered through mental illness, and I called her, and I was like, can you walk me through this of what is happening? Because I, although in my field of work, yeah, I came across it a lot of times, but coming across it and, and being your normal, living it with a person that you love, seeing them become somebody else, that's tough. That's tough. That was so tough. And it was like I, I wanted to talk to people that were experiencing the same thing. How did you get through it? Um, and she said to me, you know, it's such a shame that it's so taboo and that we are mistreated and, and we're great people. And I said to her, I said, you know, I'm thinking about this book. I'm thinking about writing. You know, we didn't, we didn't have all the tools growing up. And I'm just thinking about writing. And she's like, do it but you can't put my name, my real name. And I'm like, okay, I'll respect that. Sure. And she's like, I have no problem. She's like, cause I'm not ready to tell the world my story. And I said, are you sure if you're not ready, that's okay. She goes, no, I'm just not ready to tell the world my story, but you can utilize it to help you whichever way. Sure. And I just got to writing and I'm gonna be honest, that was my um, getaway from everything. You know, I get up, right? Cause we all, I don't care what anybody says. We show up in the world with a mask right? That's the mask we show up for the world, right? To work. I'm okay. I'm happy. You know, things are okay. Cause we don't talk about certain things. Sure. Right. Um, and then having to now go to the Bronx and deal with my family in a whole different way and still be sane and whole. Right. Exactly. And that takes a lot. <laughs> and that was my, um, Believe it, it took me seven days to come up with that book. Are you serious? Seven days. Wow. And I wasn't going to publish it. I wasn't going to. At first, I was like, I'll just do an ebook. You e just know you needed to write it. I said, I'm yeah. going to do an ebook. That's it. You know, do an ebook online. And my daughter, I remember one day she comes downstairs and she's like, Mom, I would like to see it on the coffee table. You know, that's cool that you're doing this. Oh, she'll come down. Mom, where are you in the process? You know? And I'm like, okay, she's watching me. And I'm writing about the same things that I wanted as a, as a child, the mother that I wanted to show up. So I'm like, she's watching me. So I have to be, I'm accountable now. Because sure. whenever you're writing, you're accountable for your words. So there, that, was, that was my accountability was my daughter saying to me, yeah, I wanted to put that story out there because there is a story about mental health, um, suicide. And... Yeah, I want to make sure that I write her story and I get her voice out, but then I also want my daughter to read it. And now, you know, that's when she found out that, you know, I was um, abused at the age of eight. And we had to have that conversation. You know, that was a tough conversation. An and we had to have too. it. And all of that just brought on emotions because I think that what happened to my brother was a nervous breakdown, complete nervous breakdown, you know, just going, 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 going and not taking care of himself mentally you know, physically. Um, yeah, that was, that was scary. That's, and it's, it's important to talk about, you know, the mental health, the trauma mm -hmm. and everybody deals with trauma in different ways and, and trauma can, 
you know, uh, hide itself for a while and it comes mm-hmm. out in different mm-hmm. behaviors. And I've been so grateful to work in behavioral health and, and to be a person with lived experience, mm-hmm. which is great. And I've, and I've been able to notice that when I'm relating with other people, and especially as a Latino, I was the first one in my family to kind of come out with, oh, I have mental health. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, I've had a couple suicide attempts and mm-hmm. there have been different things that I've gone through that has, have helped other people. But if I kept it inside and I didn't talk about it, it, you know, there's there's a lack of healing, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you were able to take that and put it into a book and get it out there, first of all, that that vulnerability and that, uh, you know, that courageous part of you to get it out there is helping so many people. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you noticed that as as it's been out for the what this came out? uh, 2018. 2018. So what what has that experience been like for these past couple of years of the feedback that you've gotten. It's been great. I mean, my family, not so much. They were angry because nobody knew what happened to me. Mm. Because again, the voice that I silenced for so many years, not to get in trouble, right? So when I find, like everybody's like, wait, what do you mean? Wait, wait, what, what happened? You know, and even... My grandmother, who it was under her watch, and I felt so horrible. She's 96 years old, 97 years old. God bless her. Um, it wasn't her fault, and I wanted her to know that. That wasn't your fault, you know? But I don't know. Our culture is tend to, we don't speak our family business. So my mom here, she goes, well, you're a professional woman. How do you do that? That's embarrassing. And I'm like, ma, it's not. It's because story. if I can help somebody... I'm okay. That's that's what it's all about. And you know, that that's what led also to she heals, you know, having those conversations with my girlfriends. We're all professional women talking about things that we suppress for so long. And the feedback, I'm gonna be honest, I get DMs, um, the people you'd be surprised. I've done workshops in the Bronx, I've gone into shelters to do these workshops, and these women are pouring their hearts out. It's like, you know, I have a workbook session in the book. So there I had someone send me like she's like, I need extra pages just to write. Because the purpose of it was thought-provoking questions. To get it out. Let's start working on it. Because people say therapy is like, oh, it's for crazy people. No. And I'm like, get that out of your head. Yeah. Sometimes you need opposite. someone to help you figure things out. <laughs> Absolutely. And I tell this a lot to young people. It's okay to say any therapy. Mm-hmm. It's okay to start working that out. Now, don't let it happen later on and it comes out in a whole different way where you have no control of it. And I believe the next generation is getting that message mm-hmm. earlier and yeah. better than our generation, I believe. You know, our generation is more like, yeah, we can't really mm-hmm. talk about it or mm-hmm. we got to keep it inside. But I've seen the next generation really open up quicker mm-hmm. than, than us, which I'm so grateful for. Absolutely. I think yeah. that this next generation, I am like, I sit back and I'm like, I am like, wow, they are so courageous. Yeah. They're like jumping into things. They're leaping into things. Their faith is just like huge. You know, they're Absolutely. like, I'm going to try this. They're a lot more daring than we are. And they're and, teaching us, yes. you know, which is great. And they and they are teaching us. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning so much from certain groups of women that I've been around that they're young. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome that you're doing that. I wish I had the courage at your age to go against the grain in that sense. And you're creating a space for those conversations. Mm-hmm. So what's your... You know, what's your age range that's been coming to you? Has it been more your age group or younger? What what, what so, have you been experiencing? I am 46 years young. <laughs> I know your age. About <laughs> <laughs> to be 47. <laughs> Which is beautiful. So I want to say that I've started to see more women in their 20s opening up. Okay. Um, 
when it comes to like, you know, in the She Heals, you have mental health, you have trauma, um, things that have happened to them that they've never spoken about, you know? Um, and then women in their fifties and sixties, some of them are like, what are you doing? Take that to your grave. And I'm like, you can't, yeah. you cannot take it to your grave. And it was just such, so important to me because I think that in She Heals, you know, we excluded men. It was just a group of my really closest friends. Mm -hmm. And I got such a response. We did an event in the Bronx and I never forget there was a gentleman, uh, when they talked about the abortion topic, he tears that really I was frozen like I was like wow the impact that we think as women men don't go through some of the things that we've gone through and how does that affect them wow and we don't talk about those things because we put so much pressure on men to say you have to carry the world on your shoulders you can't be vulnerable you can you know you have to be strong for everybody mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. that's amazing mm -mm. so now we heal which I wasn't going to do it but my girlfriend's like, you have to do it. You have to do it. So we're including couples now. We're including oh, males. Um, I think it's important that we, this conversation, this is so much bigger than me. Much bigger. So much bigger than me. So much bigger than me. But it's needed. Because our generation, this wouldn't be happening. No, not at all. Everything was perfect, right? I was taught to be like, oh, everything is perfect. Yeah, make sure everything looks yeah, good. Everything yeah, everything looks yeah. good. Like, yeah. Asatalim. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then the dirt is behind the chair or somewhere. The junk know? drawer. Yeah. Exactly, the junk. We all got that, right? Yeah. And that's so true. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's great that you're doing that project, too. We Heal. That sounds so intriguing. I can't wait. We'll talk about that <laughs> in the future as well. I mean, that's that's huge. And and the fact that you have, you know, parenting from broken pieces, she heals the 21 days of healing. What's that about? What's that that so, that journal about? So that is, you know, it takes 21 days to break a habit, right? Mm -hmm. Um after writing She Heals, I thought about the wounds that have been open okay. because we're peeling back layers. Like we've done speaking engagements, and to this day, I appreciate that. You know, the collaborators and I, we call each other because we're peeling back and we are reopening wounds. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, I went to an event last summer and this young lady said something that resonated with me. Um, you have to heal so you don't keep bleeding on others. And no matter what you say, sometimes I'm good, I'm good, we're not. So the 21 days of healing is start doing that work you don't want to go I'm not by no means a licensed therapist I'm not substituting that for therapy but to start doing your work mm -hmm. because I always talk about it's you know you have to do the work you have to do your own work um and some people are just not comfortable some yeah. people again the feedback I'm not ready for that but I'm ready to tell my story so I wanted to create something that you can feel like you're telling your story even if you don't want to share it with the world you're not keeping that inside gotcha because our secrets are you know they're they're toxic. Yeah. And that, just, we, they're sick. We always say that in uh, behavioral health, you're, you're only as healthy as your secrets. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't mean you have to tell your secrets mm -hmm. out to everybody, but you have to heal those secrets mm -hmm. in some sort of way. And, you know, what you're doing is what I was involved in for many years, which is called peer services, which is it's mm. peer to peer. Um, I'm here. I've had my lived experience and I'm helping you. I'm not a therapist. I'm mm -hmm. not licensed, but I'm here to help you through your journey. I can let you know some of the things that I went through and how it healed me and what I've experienced with other mm -hmm. people. So that's essentially what you're what you've put together. It's peer work and it's your story. It's your trauma. It's and, and you've expressed it in such an eloquent way with the way you've written everything. And it, it allows for that space for people to say, 
Yeah, I have a story too. Can I share? When they're ready to share. Mm -hmm. And that healing process is unbelievable. And I always say, you know, it, it, my, you know, I'm grateful for the two children I have and my wife delivering birth. I have absolutely and never will have any idea what that feels like, mm -hmm. you know? So I can't really relate. I can relate to a certain extent as a father with other fathers, but I can't, I don't know what it feels like to have a baby come out of me, mm -hmm. you know? And so when you're able to do this type of work, there's so much other healing that's happening in addition to whatever other supports that people are getting in there, you know, whether it's mm -hmm. therapy or what, whatever the case may be. But so grateful that you're doing what you're doing because it you. is so important. And yeah, you, you, you have another career with this. I'm sure it's going to it's going to blow up eventually. I'm sure it will. Um, but then what this leads into is, you know, it's my whole self-care practice of the My Formula Way. It's all about physical, mental, spiritual and emotional health and wellness. And when I coach people, I coach people in those different components because it takes all of that to be fully healthy and well, I believe. Um, you know, it was something that came to me in the middle of the night and I started writing down. You know, I was I was an artist back in the day, but I started writing down this thing that came to me it's you know that's why it's good that we were born mm -hmm. on the same day because i think we have a lot of similarities in that of just something calling you to have to share this and have to put it out so when it comes to physical health we talk about exercise and nutrition and what journey you've you know people have been on what has your journey been with exercise and nutrition you know maybe some of the things you might have been challenged with or some of the things that work for you now that didn't before Talk to us a little bit about your journey with your physical health oh boy, and strength in the body. That's what a we long talk one. about. <laughs> but before I get into that, you have a book and you need to put that out there because that's the kind of work that you do. Oh. And you you have people that you're connecting with here, but just imagine the other half of the world that you haven't touched yet. Wow, thank so you. you so I might have to call yeah, you up you on gotta, help me out with that to, one. <laughs> you have to <laughs> think about that. Okay, um, thank you very much. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exercise. Yeah. I was really good at it. Mm -hmm. um, up until and uh, how do I overshare this? So nine eleven, mm -hmm. I um, I worked you know I worked the grounds. Um, I ended up getting sick, so I have a challenge now when it comes to running, walking up the stairs. So oh, I've okay. packed on some weight. Um, treadmill, I you know of course my doctor's like treadmill. Uh, I can't do the things that I used to you love should, to do. Sure. Uh, that and that's an adjustment yes. in life, you know, we have to. Yeah. yeah, so that was that, That that's a little tough because of that challenge. I mean, not that I, I still, you know, I still try because people are like, oh, you, you don't, you know, you don't seem like anything is wrong with you. And I'm like, you don't have to announce it to the exactly. world. Exactly. Yeah. I feel it when I'm walking up the stairs or I feel it if I'm trying to run, you know, but... Yeah, so that, that limits me, but it doesn't limit me where I have to be, you know, sitting on the sofa and use that. No, I get on the treadmill if I can't do it for a long time. I have stopped for a few months. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. The holidays were here and yeah, I yeah. packed that on and I'm guilty, <laughs> the food and yeah. everything. So I have to get back on sure. track. I have to. Um, eating healthy is trying to find. My biggest thing is that I forget to eat. I ch that's my oh, challenge. Oh, you don't eat. Like, oh, like so in the morning, running. I'll get coffee and then I'm at work and then I'll get caught up with certain things and it'll be two o'clock and I'm like, wait, I didn't eat. Wow. Yeah. So I forget to eat. And then when I get home, I'm cooking, but then I'm picking on different things. Yeah. Because you're hungry. Yes. Yeah. And now you're hungry. Yeah. And then I cook and I don't eat what I cook. Everybody else eats, but I don't eat. Um, and then I don't, you know, the rice and stuff like that, you know, right. Latino. So my husband loves the rice and the beans and all of that. Um, so it's, it's been a challenge, but, um, it, it's not an excuse. I know that I've made a lot of excuses when it's come to health. Um, but I'm working on it. I'm that, getting back on track. And it's all about you fall off, you get back on. That's, that's it. True. It's just getting back on. And just like with life, and that's what it is. And, the, you know, the message is always, 
you know, can you just throw in 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, 10 to 15 minutes. I, when I coach people, it's like, just do 15 minutes. See if you could do stretch, you know, um, because a lot of times as we age, you know, we, yeah, I can't, I wish I could do the things like mm-hmm. you know, when I was 20. I can't. And I've realized Same that here. in my workout routine, I've had to adjust constantly because I've herniated discs. I have, you know, they have bones that just don't mm-hmm. work and muscles that don't mm-hmm. work. I have nerve damage on my right side. So I have to... I have to adjust to what works for me now as opposed to what I my mind thinks I can do. Um, so that's good. It's good that you're recognizing it. And I think that's the message for a lot of people too, recognizing that, oh, okay, I need to add this to my mm-hmm. life. And whenever I coach people too, I don't, I don't try to subtract things from people's lives. I add things to mm-hmm. people's lives. And when you, when you use that methodology, like it helps that. you out a little mm-hmm. bit more like, oh, let me add this to my life. Instead of, oh, let me take this away because I think in scarcity, in scarcity, it's it's more about taking away and then you feel like you're being, you know, you're, you're being deprived, deprived yes. of something, you know? And so adding those things to your mm-hmm. life is always helpful. Um, so what that leads to, too, is, you know, and, and was and I appreciate you talking about mental health and mental illness that that's happened in your family um, because it is so important to, to discuss And when we talk about mental health, we talk about peace in the mind and how to achieve peace in the mind. We talk about mindfulness and meditation and and journaling, Mm -hmm. which is so therapeutic for the mind. And I I, I really encourage journaling whenever I coach my clients because it's it's so important to just let that out. And then we also talk about sleep. You know, sleep, Mm -hmm. that's just the, the underlying thing that a lot of people don't pay attention to. So... In terms of peace of mind and mental health that that you've experienced in the past few years, um, you know, with with your brother, um, what what is it for you that you've had to overcome with mental health, and that maybe not yours or or the family members? And then, what do you do for your mental health to make sure that you maintain that optimal um, component of your life? So that that had been challenging um, mm. because I, you know, you're constantly going and you are pouring and pouring, but you're not pouring back in. And um, I'm guilt. I had been guilty of mm-hmm. that. And until I started to have some self-awareness and be like, if I'm not good, nobody's good. So meditation, a lot of affirmations, you know, affirmations have been really huge to me. And I know I drive people crazy, but that's what helps me. Yeah. You know, affirmations, staying in a positive mindset getting up early and just listening to meditating music as well as going to sleep, listening to it. Um, that has been, um, a lifesaver that has been a lifesaver and knowing when to say, no, I need time for me. I'm going to take a day and I'm not doing anything and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. That's That's huge. Huge. I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to take a day off and And I'm doing nothing. It's okay to say that. Right. Um, that, uh, during the summer, I mean, I love the beach. That is like my, tranquil place i forget it i could be at the beach all day and be happy give me a book give me some coffee give me i'll drink i will drink coffee at the beach yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely i'm that person um but i think it's just finding you know a spa here and there um finding ways that's something that i also mentioned in the book is finding ways it doesn't have to cost you anything you can go to the dollar store and get things for self-care um but it's just finding your own time, taking out a little bit, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, take a deep breath. Uh, because when we, I found myself, when I was taking on too much, I wasn't a nice person. I wasn't. And that's not fair to the people that are coming. That's not fair to people that I work with. It's not fair to my family. So I had to really take, do a self-assessment and say, I need to work on some things. And I'm still a work in progress. Absolutely. We I'm all still are. a work in progress. Um, but it's just really focusing and saying, I need a time out. 
I need to take some time. I need to take some vitamins or I need some, I need time to go and laugh with friends and or take a day to do nothing. Sure. And I'm okay with that. That's great. You know? Yeah. And, and you said something that's really important. The affirmations and yeah, and some people get annoyed with my affirmations too, but affirmations actually, you know, clinically and, uh, studies have shown that those affirmations of telling yourself these things can mm-hmm. actually change the components of your brain. So by saying that, you're actually able to manifest that because the brain doesn't know the difference between something that's actually happening mm. and something that you're putting into your mind. You know, I, I teach visualization as well to, to visualize what it is. And you, you said it right there. Those affirmations are so important. And keep saying them to yourself until it becomes that mm-hmm. reality. And so that's great that you're doing that for yourself because that's, I'm telling you, people really need to understand that that's really real. Um, and what that leads to also is then freedom in the spirit. So I talk about spiritual health, not so much uh, religion, even though people are, you know follow a religion. Uh, p- some people do, some people don't. But following religion into the point that it, it, it cultivates your spirituality. So spiritual health, I look at it as uh, inspiration and mm-hmm. believing in yourself and cultivating creativity and expression and like playing and having fun, like mm-hmm. just having that jovial part of your your spirit that's alive. Um, what is what are some of the things you've done to kind of be inspired and believe that you are here for a reason? Hmm, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. yeah and a lot of times when I coach people with spiritual health, that's the one that that's like, wait, you know what? I haven't thought about this, you know? So Yeah, I really didn't I haven't thought about it that way, but I don't know if this makes sense. I think I've always said you have to go through something, right? When you go through something, you went through it for a reason. That is huge. Yeah. Because before it was, why me? Right? That victim mentality that I had to shed. Why is this happening to me? Why me? Why do I have this bad luck? Right? Yes. And that was huge to shed. And now it's okay. What's the lesson in this? Yeah. And how am I going to help somebody? Because I'm pretty sure that somebody's going to go through this and they're going to have you know, maybe my pick close to home, maybe it's not. Because my biggest thing is when you're speaking to people, people pick up on when you're full of crap. Absolutely. They pick up on it. And when you can be transparent enough to say to people, not, oh, this is my story, making it about me all the time. No, when you say, I get what you're going through. May it not been happened the same way, but something similar. And people were like, oh, well, how did you get through that? How did you get through to that? How? So when it's purpose, I think your purpose is through your experiences. Absolutely. You know, I think my purpose is I've always been, I've always was like, why am I always giving? And then I'd be resentful if people took advantage of it, right? I would get mad and be like, they didn't deserve it. Mm. And then I started to really pay attention to people in season, people putting your life for a season and a reason, right? And I started to really pay attention to that and say, okay, this happened for this reason. I might not have finished my career, right? In law enforcement, emerging the way that I wanted to. But now I'm doing this and I found this and this is my purpose. Sure. So it took me losing some to gain to find my purpose. A lot of us go through life and don't know what our purpose is. And that to me is sad. Absolutely. That's really sad when you don't know what your purpose is, when you have that inner conflict with, what am I here for? I still haven't figured out completely, right? But I want to know, I want to be remembered when I'm gone as she put fire under me. She motivated me, you know? That's that's it. She put, you know, this movement, like, I, like the She Heals the Movement is something that I started. And people are like, wait, well, healing. And I said, healing comes in all different forms, in all different forms, you exactly. know. 
remember that. Remember how where you was at to where you're going and where you're at now. Yeah. You know, so I think it's, I think my purpose is to drive others. No I doubt. Think so, yeah, honestly. I think you found your purpose here. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, really, uh, the fact that you're talking about purpose, the fact that you've gone through all the things that you've gone through and are able to share this, can't get better purpose than that. You know, as, especially I'm, I'm sure being a mom and, and, and being a wife uh, is, is a great purpose as well. But this is kind of a legacy purpose that you mm-hmm. can be you can give out beyond your family, which is it's so beautiful that you found that. And um, your inspiration of creating and putting that all together. Yeah, there's nothing better, I, I believe. And so what that also leads to is the, the last component of my formula is about emotional health. And I always uh, coordinate emotional health with love, love for yourself, um, acts of kindness, sharing your experience so that you can build that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, not only trust with people, but trust in yourself. Um, I know that's a journey for each one of us is how do you trust yourself and what you're going through? But I think that does take time. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of time. It takes a lot of ups and downs. It takes a lot of where do I fit in this world? Um, and I believe you've found that in a lot of ways. So what is uh, trusting yourself in terms of loving yourself and, and really giving to giving to yourself, how has that influenced you in your relationships, like with your husband, with your kids, with the community? What about loving yourself? What's, what's, how's that been for you? That's been a labor of love. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My topic and she heals is self-worth. I battled with that for a long time. Oh, okay. You know, recovering perfectionists, right? Cause you want everything to be perfect. Um, Having self-love, and, and self-love to me is taking care of myself, where before I would take care of everybody else, wouldn't take care last. of me. I was yeah. last for everything. And even with our children, right, I was like, I'm thought, I was taught you're a great mom if you are doing everything for your kids and you're putting them first. I put, Of course, you got to put your kids first. But I learned in putting them first, you have to also put yourself first so you can be able to take care of them and be, you know, healthy uh, emotionally and mentally. Um I think with me, um, I still struggle with saying, I'm going to put me first today. I do it, but sometimes I feel guilty. Hmm. You know, you feel guilty. Um, Because you're you're chipping away at it. That's what it is. It's like that old you and then mm -hmm. bringing that new you in. It's a battle. That's a battle. Um, But I think that being authentic is huge. Um, And... Walk the walk and talk the talk. You can't just be saying to somebody, I'm self-love and, and I'm this and I'm, but you're not doing it. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't yeah. work that way. So I think with really showing up as the best way that I can, um, being empathetic, um, I think what's really helped me forging relationships, you know, with my husband, of course, I'm a pain in his butt, <laughs> pain. drive him crazy. But, um, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I drive him crazy in a good way. I have all these ideas, and he's like, my God, when are you going to find the time? Exactly. You know, you have a job, but I always mm-hmm. say when it's your passion and it's driving you, you don't go to sleep. And it's not work. No, it's, yeah, you it's, don't go to sleep. You, do. you know, yeah. you don't go to, you, you, not that you just, yeah, yeah. Let me let me phrase that. No, you're not, but, that you're not yeah, sleeping, but you're working hard at it. But yeah. you're working hard at it. Nine o'clock at night comes, mm-hmm. you know, I have to do things when everybody's asleep. I have to do this. Yeah, Weekends, yeah. you know, you have to give up certain things to sure. really work with what you want to work with. But as far as that's with relationships with other people is, I think the more authentic that I could possibly be and, and setting boundaries that has helped me a lot with relationships. Um, because again, when you're taught to have this mask all the time, you're not really true to people. 
And even with some of my friends that we did this book, I had to apologize because I said, I wasn't a good friend to you during these times of your life. And I'm sorry for that. Wow. That was big for me because I was selfish. At one point in my life, I knew I was selfish. We were all selfish. But owning it up, even if I'm wrong now, I even tell people, I'm sorry that I, I apologize if I made you feel that way. Mm. I don't care who it is. If I did something where I was up, you just tell me I'm going to apologize. I'm not going to walk around and pretend like I have it all together. I'm perfect. And no, if I hurt you, please let me know. How did I hurt you? Let's work it out. That's great. If you don't want to, that's okay. But know that I apologize and I'm recognizing it, you know, um, I think that's what's really helped me out with relationships. Yeah. You know, some people can't handle it. Some people can't handle the, or you're being phony or you're, no, I'm, I'm really trying to work this out with you. So yeah. it's it's tough, but um, I think that the more authentic you can be with people, um, the better it is for you Absolutely. and the more freeing. And that's great to come to that self-awareness. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's so huge for people to really grasp it takes time to be self-aware. And when you are self-aware, you're able to recognize, yeah, when we do have our own, we all have our mm -hmm. faults. And um, and I and I believe that that's what keeps relationship together when there's that mutuality, there's that mutual understanding. And not to have any expectations. I think that's, that's one thing I've learned with relationship is, you know, do you have expectations for yourself first? Because if you don't even have expectations for yourself, to have expectations on someone else, to fill the void of the expectations you haven't even done on yourself mm. is insanity, you know? So, and I believe that once you, once you have that and that understanding of how, what am I going to do for myself? How am I going to be? And you're going to be the way you want other people to, to kind of respond. Not everybody's going to do that mm -hmm. and not to have that expectation, mm -hmm. but just be being your authentic self and, and saying sorry when you need to say sorry. And that, that's, I've learned that myself and it's, it's taken, taken me a long time to learn that, especially mm -hmm. even my relationship with my wife. It's like, Oh yeah, you know what? I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was a little off there, even though I'm the perfect gentleman. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like we spoke about before. Yeah. Far from it. But you know, just just getting to that place to to really realize, like, yeah, nah, that was, mm -hmm. yeah, that was, I wasn't on my best game right there. I need to, I need to work on that. And I think that's what's so important for couples, for you know, individuals to to really look at that and work on it. You know, mm -hmm. shedding away the ego. I've had to shed yes. away my ego uh, many times, and knowing that. You know, sometimes it's helpful to to push me, mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's it's detrimental to me, and it, and it kind of causes more harm than good. You know, yes. but the fact that you've gotten to that place, I think, is just so important. I think what it is is because, you know, you've you've allowed yourself to express. You know, that expression to put it out there has just made you a better human being for yourself. You know, so. for what you want mm -hmm. to see in yourself, the best version of yourself. So, you know, I just I want to thank you again for you know really expressing yourself in the way you have your story your trials your tribulations the fact that you're helping so many other people along your path can't get a better purpose than that i don't believe you, you know i really believe you 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 found it and it may evolve into other things mm -hmm. but it, this is definitely a starting point no doubt and i want people to be able to follow this you know we're going to put it in the line of notes and we'll make sure that people can can find all this but just tell people again how they can follow you and how they can find you in the different uh social media and all the <laughs> other internet stuff <laughs> so under um instagram uh, my author page is public it's isabel the author um i have a little secret i just 
launched a publishing company. Oh, congratulations. So Rojas is publishing. You can find me on there too. What what publishing? Rojas is publishing. Oh, wow. Yes. So I wanted to bottle that feeling that I gave so many people when we did this collaboration book, being an author. I want to see that in so many people and giving them that freedom to tell your story. That's great. You know, so it could be Rojas. And I'm also in Facebook on the Isabel Rojas. Yes. And the website, I'm working on the website for the publishing company. So that should be hopefully in two weeks. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yes. yes but everything else, it's full. I didn't know what I, listen, Amen. I'm going to keep going. That's I'm going to keep going because it, it's just something that I want to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, we'll be supporting you. Yes. Thank you. Thank <laughs> no you. Doubt. But yeah, I, I mean, I encourage people, you know, the book is on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Okay. Um, you know, reach out to me. I, I love to hear feedback. It's, it's one of my motivators. Good or bad. Yeah. You know, because it just makes you, you know, work on your craft. Um, but yeah, just reach out. That's awesome. <laughs> thank yes. you for having no, me. I mean, this you. is awesome. Uh, I appreciate it, man. You know, I, I'm so grateful, you know, just to you. have a conversation with somebody like you that's been through so much and been able to 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 put this out there. I mean, that's takes a lot of courage, you know, <laughs> and and uh we'll just make sure that everybody gets the links will be all ready to go. So if people want to check it out, they will. Um, and we'll ask people to share it as much as possible. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sharing is caring. Exactly. And thanks for having the same birthday as me. <laughs> That's just great. We got to celebrate Taurus this Taurus is rock. Yeah, absolutely. We're stubborn. So, but... Yeah, we are stubborn, but uh, we rock. Mm -hmm. So thank you again, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank cool. you again. All right.